Welcome to this episode of Let's Chat. I'm your host, Chris Revel, coming at you from the Cat Cave in Providence, Rhode Island. Today's guest is very special. We have Adam Lash, comedian, adamlashcomedy.com, on Twitter, at the Adam Lash, and one of the creators and stars of Gigahose. We talk more in depth in the show about his role in Gigahose. Please check out gigahose.com, follow him on Twitter, at Gigahose. Uh, let me just read you what Gigahose is, and it's very funny and uh, such great social commentary, and I think pretty accurate of what the future is going to be. And so in the future, humans create AI. Three days later, they have sex with it. Gigahose is a mockumentary web series about the escort agency, artificial intercourse, as they try to deal with the changing business landscapes as a new, better, and cheaper sex bots are released. Each episode follows AI sex bots out of their calls with their eccentric clients and sexual hilarity that ensues. I've watched the first two episodes. I loved it. Uh, please watch them on uh, the web at gigahose.com. They actually have an email, gigahose at gmail.com. Um, just please watch it. It's so good. Uh, Adam, currently, if you're listening to this when it airs, is doing the warm-up for National Lampoon's off-Broadway production of Bayside, the musical. Yes, Bayside as in Saved by the Bell. And if you're in the New York City region... Please go check out Bayside the Musical and tell Adam, who's the wonderful warm-up guy, that you heard him on this show and that's why you came. Um, Adam was very nice, very cool. We met on Twitter and after the episode aired, I got a very nice email from him and I basically said he'd love to come back on and do the show again. Uh, so we're looking to do that in the next in the coming months. And I'm very happy because... You know, we were just two strangers who, who are trying to. I'm trying to put on a podcast. He's trying to get his, the word out there about his fantastic web series, Gigahose. But we got along really well, and I think that comes through in the episode. He's uh, we're kind of cut from the same cloth. Big kind of nerdy dudes who love comedy. One really cool thing about Adam, he shares a story. Uh, so he interns. He's an intern on The Daily Show. Ends up being on The Daily Show, which he talks about, and gets encouraged to become a stand-up comedian by Ed Helms. I mean, Adam's been on The Daily Show, Fox and Friends, HBO. I mean, he's, he's a professional comedian. It's fucking cool. Oh, and one other thing I bring up in the episode. Uh, for, so for a while, I've been following the story on LastBin and Splitsider.com about uh, a street name after George Carlin and the George, a Catholic church really being against it for obvious reasons. And it turned out that I guess I have heard of Adam before because I've been reading that article and I've seen his name. And he's one of the people that's behind getting George Carlin Way to become an actual street in New York City, which you can go to today. He shares a really cool story, uh, lots of great stories about that. And we talk about comedy and much more. Uh, thank you so much for listening. If you yourself have a web series or a Twitter account or you're a comedian or an artist and you want to come on the show, Please contact us at Let's Chat Podcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at Let's Chat Podcast. And we have a Facebook at Facebook.com slash Let's Us Chat. And before I go one last time, go to AdamLashComedy.com. Follow him on Twitter at the Adam Lash. Go to Gigahose.com. Follow them on Twitter at Gigahose. Thank you so much for listening to this wonderful episode with Adam Lash. Adam, if you're listening, which I hope you are, thank you again for coming on, and I look forward to having you back. And here's your episode of Adam Lash. Remember 
nemesis of a winner. Remember when I used to eat sardines for dinner? Peace to Raw G, Brucey B, Kid Capri. Funk, Flash, the Flex, Love, Funk, Star, Ski. Well, first off, thanks so much for doing this. This is uh, super exciting. I've always, oh, no uh, problem, man. I've always wanted to have a comedian on. That was when I first started oh, this great. like a year ago. That was the goal is to work my way into like more artist comedian folks. Um, great. I, well, I'm glad I could be your first. Yeah, I've uh, definitely because of po- comedy podcast. I've mm-hmm. definitely become like obsessed with comedy. Uh, like it's been like maybe the last couple years. It's become like. A, I kind of have that addictive personality into things, but podcasts definitely mm-hmm. have just like taken over. Uh, so let's start. You're Adam Lash, the comedian. Do you do you call yourself an actor? No, because you act. I'm, I'm a. I technically yes, you're right. Technically, I have acted in front of a camera. Um, so I mean, I guess in the long list of things, he's. Yeah. I, I'm a comic. I'm a writer. I'm an actor. Uh, Author. I pre- and I'm author. Yeah, yeah I'm an author. I did as well. some research on you. Oh, thanks. Uh, so yeah, I'm an author, and uh, I have also done lighting designs. I do warm up for uh, off Broadway musicals. Oh wow! Yeah. Oh, that's uh, really cool. For, for a, a Bayside the musical, uh, it's, which is the musical version of Bayside. Uh, I'm sorry, Saved by the Bell. I was really hoping that you were going for that right there. With, you meant Bayside, not like the neighborhood in Queens, but like uh, no, Saved by yeah. the Bell. Wow. Yes. Is that incredible? It is one of the funniest things I've ever been a part of in my life. That's so uh, cool. You're in Jersey, right? Are you in the... Oh, I live in uh, Providence, but my, uh, oh, Island, my in-laws gotcha. live in Jersey. I'm from Connecticut. Oh, okay. Well, it's it's still going on here in the city. If you want to make a trip down, yeah. When does it go till? Well, right now we're we're through December. We started last year, uh, last September. So we've been going a lot, like a year longer than we thought we would. I don't know what the plan is if we are going to stop. I personally hope that we don't stop for a while because it pays the bills. It's a lot of fun. Uh, it's pretty popular because who doesn't love Say by the Bell? It's it's the, one of the worst things ever, but like we growing up, we fucking loved it, uh, and this parody is just it's right on the money. It's 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 fan fantastic. I think I'm actually going to be at uh, I think it's in New Jersey. My wife's friend is in like a play about Enron. I wish I knew more of it. But I think I'm going to see that. Um, I'm actually leaving next week. I'll be in the area. I'm leaving for Italy in like uh, a week. Oh, how? For, where? Uh, where are you going? Tuscany. I've uh, oh. never been. It's my like anniversary trip. Uh, actually, I bought it on Groupon. So before I come off too hoity toity, uh, yeah, this, it's like nice a bargain. Yeah, trip. I, I uh, was in Italy uh, about ten or so years ago on a uh, a class trip while my mom was doing. Oh, that's awesome! Uh, yeah, we went to uh, Rome and uh, Venice for a couple of days, Florence for a few days, Milan for a day. I think it's like Strasbourg or something like that for a day. I don't know if that's the name of it, but it was like one of the best uh, places that I ever that I saw in Italy. Yeah, but Florence, a... if you can get to Florence, wow, that is an amazing city. Same thing. A few days. I think we're in between Florence, Milan. So day Milan, and then like two to three days in Florence, which is like perfect. Which is fucking perfect. Yeah. For. So how to? But yeah, I'm because I'm thinking of I know. Uh, is New York Comedy Fest going on right now? It, it yep actually yeah it's Monday right yes it starts tonight tonight through the weekend I think my trip which is I'm excited for Runa because I really wanted to go down for that this year but and I missed that then I also missed New York Comic Con which I was gonna go to and then it sold out really 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 quick like it did really it did 
and it was awesome. Uh, I was lucky enough to get uh, on the floor for a few days. We wandered around. Uh, it was insane. It was really crazy. Do you like that Comic Con's kind of like no longer? I mean, San Diego's still the mecca, but I like that it's like we just had Rhode Island Comic Con this weekend. Right. I, I didn't get to go. I went last year, and it was twenty thousand people. Providence is a small city, and it sold out. Wow. I think William nice. Shatner and George Takai were like the headlining guys. Damn. And I was like from awesome. Rhode Island, so you know, teeny tiny state. But still, yeah, uh, no man, yeah, because uh, New York Comic Con just crossed over to be the biggest one of the year attendance wise wow uh which is awesome yeah uh yeah because i guess the javits center doesn't have safety regulations as compared to whatever the uh the san diego convention oh, wow. center is uh yeah i think san diego's like okay we got too many people new york's like ah, fuck it, bring them in it's fine it's fine that's really the whole cool. building's made of glass it's oh i'm God. sure it's burn proof yeah i know uh, i was looking to get yeah. uh, tickets to go see at midnight was doing a new york show but then i was like couldn't make it work. I probably couldn't get tickets anyway. But we're doing a few of them. Yeah. And fun fact: uh, my co-writer and co-creator of Gigahose uh, was actually one of the Follow Thursday, uh, or yeah, Tag Team Thursday guys last week. Oh, which episode? Uh, it was the one with Aisha Tyler. Oh, the Halloween. Uh, yes, the Halloween episode. Okay. The, the Halloween episode. Uh, uh, was it Brian Posehn and uh, Steve Agee? Brian Posehn was his. Uh, guy, oh, his tag team guy. I love. So yes. I love all of those people. It was a great episode. It was a great episode, and because my roommate, his Twitter handle was one of the tag uh, tag team guys. Did did, did was did he get a bump? Like I would, I always wonder what happens to people. Well, yes. Here's the thing. Uh, because of uh, the show, because of Gigahose, we're like, uh, oh, well, because we know we we have you know a nerd audience is exactly what we're going for because we are nerds. We made it for nerds. Yeah. And so I keep trying to follow people from at the at midnight Twitter account being like, Hey, you should probably like this because we made this for you. Yeah. But this whole just random out of nowhere, the fact that they picked his name out of a hat, I was like, dude, oh my god, this could be awesome for us. Um, change your profile yeah. to like right before the show starts, after they taped in California, so they can't do anything about it. <laughs> change your profile to say Gigahose, everyone go to this uh link. And he did. He got like a hundred more Twitter followers. About wow. Uh, and we got a bump in views, which is nice. Oh, that's really cool. Um, I, I always go out of order on these things. I have stuff written down. Um, it's all good. I watched the first two episodes of Gigahose this morning. I yeah. fucking loved it. Yeah. Like not and not just because you're here. Like I like. Um, it's so true. Like all technology is basically for like sex. Yes! <laughs> Thank you! Yes, it is! I love the mockumentary format. I love whoever did your directing and, like, cinematography. It's, it's so funny. And um, I hope – I take. I mean, this is a compliment, but I from the second episode, I started to notice the dynamic. It reminded me of Archer and the Cyborg Barry starting to build. Like, it really uh, – it looks like awesome. you're excited. Yes, that's what we're going for. We had uh, – when we were coming up with the show, Kevin and I were coming up with the show a couple years ago. We're like, okay, what are the influence of the show? Because obviously we, we watch a lot of stuff together. So it was like if we had to, you know, we kind of had to pick shows to kind of, you know, base kind of some stuff off of. We were like the workplace stuff of Archer because, you know, people coming in and out, tell, throwing jokes and then leaving. And then the animosity between some of the characters. But Archer was definitely a heavily influenced. Um, so I'm really glad that kind of came through because 
ultimately, we'd love this show to be on cable, and FX is one of the networks that we thought this, could, this show could easily be on. It, it, you know what? It's not nearly as perverted as it sounds. Exactly. Which... I think we it's just perverted enough. Yeah. Well, the the I, I, I'm gonna finish, I'm gonna continue watching. I, I had I was like doing like boring adult stuff. I was so I took like t- 20 minutes out to watch the first two episodes. But when they were having the sex, um, it was like it wasn't weird perverted sex. It was like the Emerald Grazzi thing, and like she was just like I was like yeah. I mean. And then I started like getting this weird like sociological aspect of the show. I was like, well, I don't really see anything moralistic with uh, having sex with cyborgs. I mean, you're not having sex with a person. There's no more human slavery. And then I started like, well, I, I don't want to have sex with a cyborg, but yeah, why not? That should be legal. And, I, and it was just so matter of a fact. I was like, yeah, I guess. But that it, that that that's what will happen. Like, look at the internet. It it could be this great mass communication and change the world. Ninety percent of it. Pro- I don't know this number, but porn. <laughs> Cat all of it. It's just the, all those tubes clogged with porn. It's all we're doing. Well, in fact, uh, when we were doing the Kickstarter for the show, uh, you know, we were reaching out, finding new people on Twitter and just, just different um, entities and businesses out there that kind of, you know, were kind of in the realm of future sex tech. And there was one where I kind of forget the name of it, but it's it was a company that it was just a startup where it was a. A contraption where if you had uh, a device at your computer, right? So, uh, and, and like you kind of just maybe had a glove or something where you worked uh, a shaft in front of you, hooked up to someone else's computer through the internet, or you know, one person or 50 people, whatever, if they had their penis in a device, they could feel the movement of your hand on the shaft. Huh. So you could literally jack off one to a hundred thousand people. Through the internet wow. because of a uh, tactile, um, well, uh, haptic technology. It's crazy, but it's it's here. It it what we here. Saw, I, it's here. You you can do that, and it's it's just like holy crap! This is amazing. They're like, hey man, we really like the sex robot idea. It's like that's awesome. Your thing will revolutionize yeah. porn. No, just yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, because it's it's. Did you did you happen to watch Silicon Valley? Uh, no. Oh, well, the, the last, the way it ends up being this funny mathematical equation that saves the day about how many men they could jerk off in the audience as fast as possible. And then I was reading. Oh, I heard about that. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's a true formula. It is. So like, I guess when people get to that level of genius, I'll call it, they actually do that shit. <laughs> like you just said, like they could have uh, been curing cancer. Instead, they're figuring, well, minus the sex part, which I think sex is cool. Uh, that, that There must be some implications of that technology that can use not for masturbation. Maybe like surgery oh, or something. Uh, it's got surgery. There's all sorts of. You gotta make uh, money. You gotta make money, and the first thing that it's always made for technology is driven by the sex industry. Oh, isn't that the story with uh, VHS versus Beta? VHS, and then uh, Blu-ray versus uh, Laserdisc, maybe DVD. Yeah, Laserdisc was yeah it was Laserdisc back back in the day. VHS versus Beta, and then most recently it was Blu-ray versus versus the HD DVD stuff. Never heard of it. Um, yeah, well, I think when like when the Xbox uh, 360 came out and the PS4 came out, the PS4 was like, oh, we're a, you know, and a Blu-ray player, and the Xbox 360 was like, oh, you have this plug-in where you could use the, uh, I think it was DVD HD or whatever it was called, and everyone's like, uh, we're gonna go Blu-ray, and because porn was like, we're gonna use Blu-ray, and that basically solved huh. it, and the internet, 
for like the way YouTube works now is heavily influenced by all those porn sites by having, if you trail the, uh, you know, your cursor along the timeline and it has a window pop up, that's because a porn site started doing that. Yep. Interesting. So it is amazing how the porn industry just picks and chooses what technology they want and or comes up with it on their own. And then it slowly gets adapted back into every uh, you know, normal society. Yeah, well, I liked your show because it wasn't. It, it's not porn. It's satire, no. and it's and the jokes are oh my god. It, I, I I I I don't usually do tons of web series, but I have Apple TV, so I watch YouTube on the TV. So for me, it's not awesome. like watching. I don't, I don't like to watch things on the computer. But I don't have cable either. I'm one of those people. Neither like, do I. You cut the cord. Oh, fuck yeah. Like, Hell yeah, man. Years ago, moved out of my parents' house. Like, I'm not signing up for cable. I'm not, I'm not going to pay an extra 120 bucks just yeah. to watch four networks. That's, yeah. Oh, my God. I, I do uh, Hulu Plus, Netflix, and then Netflix. I s- steal HBO Go and Showtime anytime. Yes, some, that's right. Which they're very That's well. how we do it. Um, Go that's us. how I watch everything, <laughs> though. And, like, yeah. it's also how I get – I don't know. And then, you know, DVDs, I don't give a shit. But like I think I, the web series is like that's one thing we always talk about here is like new media like I'm fascinated by it and like but like it's cool because like Gigabots did I say, no Gigaho sorry Gigaho uh, it's okay I don't know why I said <laughs> bots but um that should be on TV but the the amount of stuff to do to get that on TV it's near impossible for anyone and now you're like fuck it I'm just gonna make it and then maybe you get it on TV that is yeah unfortunately how things work nowadays. Because when I started comedy about ten about ten years ago, uh, you know, you know, mid two thousands, everyone was like, "Oh, just do stand up," and then eventually, you know, people will find you. Then you go to start doing road work, and then you'll get in the clubs, and then you know, maybe you'll start auditioning for things, and then show up in commercials, and then you'll be you know, smart small roles on TV, and blah blah. That's how it's supposed to work. Not anymore. Not not even close. We're got a couple of years in, like a lot of my class that I call them, you know, of, of comics that started about 10 years ago, you know, we're all hitting the open mics. We're all sucking together, just learning stuff. And then YouTube comes out and enforce Facebook, MySpace, mm. then Facebook, and then Twitter. And then there's all these new metrics that are now just layered on top of us to be getting, to getting noticed. Because when the Guild came out, what was that, like 07? Oh six, oh seven, or whatever. Is that Felicia Day's thing? Yeah, Felicia Day's thing. I was like, oh, we can make our own videos and do stuff online. That's crazy. And now it's like, well, now you have to make your own things online and then do all of the work yourself, and then be like, okay, hey, so I did a Kickstarter, got a bunch of people to watch the show. Uh, we think it's really good. We have a five-year plan. We made a little, you know, we made a pitch bible. Does anyone want to help us now, please? Because we did a lot of work that no one else has ever had to do before just to get some attention. You're like a showrunner, too. Yeah, basically. Yeah, at this point right now, I'm the executive producer and showrunner. Um, but thankfully, I mean, my co-creator and co-writer, Kevin Gilligan, is a, a giant help. I don't want to take anything away yeah, from him. Yeah, of course, of course. Um, but yeah, like for all intents and purposes, I'm kind of steering the ship. Uh, but it's a lot of work. Like I haven't done stand up regularly in about six months just because I've had to do all of the work and, you know, do spin all the plates and get all the things going. Like I had to learn about how YouTube really works and how to, you know, coordinating all these people's schedules and getting 
uh, learning how to, you know, how to shoot. And uh, I mean, I didn't shoot. I wasn't a cinematographer, but like I learned how they go about doing that. So I knew what they were talking about. So we had like the, the right frames per second. The camera was set up as I, you know, our direct, thank God our director, David Wright was amazing, came in towards the last second and just like, I got this. I know what I'm doing. And then he, he did. He totally saved our asses. But just I had to learn most of the aspects so I could, you know, could understand like and lead if necessary uh, in the absence of, you know, if someone was missing or something like that. But it's insane. The amount of work that people have to do just to make it nowadays make it, is it's insane. And marketing. And I don't think that. Yeah. And, and yes. And now that's exactly what I'm doing now. Uh, we switched from writing the show that took us a couple of years to write the show because we did two versions of it. One was like a little more dramatic. It was more of like a dramedy, but it was like super dramatic. Uh, and then we're like, okay, this was far too dramatic. Uh, but and like half of it was funny. Like, let's just focus on the funny stuff and we'll get to the, you know, we'll get to the, what happened was Kevin and I had all these giant, amazing ideas for like, well, how's religion going to handle sex robots? How's politics going to handle it? What about, uh, uh, robot rights when AI is sentient? I was like, Hey, we would like to be able to be, uh, invested in the society, which we, you know, we're in now. Um, what, what happens when they get feelings and emotions? Like what if they have like the Turner test? Like there's all sorts of like, and we try to cram all of that into one season's worth of 12 episodes oh, that are about eight minutes long. And we failed, just failed, because uh, it's just too much. So we're like, wait, let's wait, wait, time out, time out, time out. Let's just go back, take it easy, just focus on the jokes, have a really good time the first season, and just build the world and just have some fun. And then each season we'll add, you know, one new layer to, okay, yeah. now they got to handle this. Great. And then go out on more calls and have more silly sex adventures and then the next season now like, like we love joss whedon so yeah. like this season's big big bad is going to be politics okay next season's gonna be religion great so just make it nice and easy like you know just tailor it up uh but yeah so it we yeah we made it we took we bit off way more than we could chew uh the first time writing this stuff but that's so great because if you didn't you wouldn't get your final product exactly uh, exactly. How do you but guys, really uh, like, I forgive the term, but how do you know when to kill the baby, kill your baby? Like, when do you know when it's done? Because you have no one saying anything. It's just like, it's you. So how do you know when it's done? Cause that's gotta be so hard when you're in control. That is a good, uh, that's a good question. Uh, at the moment, I don't know. Uh, I think just, you know, just as run as long as we have stories basically, uh, because I mean, it's a really good topic that no one's touching. Oh, it's. It, no one because all of that stuff it's always like uh what's wow, what is it like apocalyptic robots are going to take over the world but mm -hmm. in reality like i like that the idea that there's was the version seven has come out and six is obsolete i mean that's phones <laughs> i have a that's exactly no, that's exactly what we went with it's true basically, when, we, when we were writing the show is like this is basically like if your phones could talk to you yeah and be like Hey, I can still call and go on the internet and do all the things. Please don't replace me. I still like being your phone. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a that's a really funny point. Like I have a 4S and I'm like, well, there's like two more generations. It works great, but I'm like, but I can get a newer one. <laughs> right? Exactly. Then what would happen if that phone was sentient, could walk around and, you know, had a purpose that it can no longer fulfill? Yeah. That's kind of what the show is because we run into older generation sex bots and we hear them like 
you know, we hear their tales of what happens after people just leave them or, you know, cast them aside. And it's sad because that's what we do with technology. That's so true. And, like, it's funny because you can kind of make a comedy about, like, the sex trade without dehumanizing the workers because they're not people. Exactly. Yeah, you you exactly. guys are onto something. Like, and it's very clever. I was so impressed with it. I was like, "Wow, this is this is really good." Thanks. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, the third episode's coming out tomorrow. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, third episode's coming out tomorrow. Uh, we have, I mean, it's just getting started. Like the first two episodes are kind of easy, just because I kind of we're kind of you know getting you into the show a little bit, yeah. and then the next few are just like it, the insanity meter just keeps rising because we kept we keep getting weirder and weirder calls so <laughs> and you guys film all this in new york city like that's where you guys are located yes we're located in new york city we filmed most of it in brooklyn most of the office shots were shot at our friend's house in brooklyn um and then all the uh calls were shot at different people's apartments who were very nice enough wow, to let us shoot that's there cool. yeah uh we shot all around the i think we shot at almost every borough except the bronx and staten island but hey who wants to go to staten island i mean yeah nobody i've been there out. once and it's exactly what you all expect you need. yeah that's all you need yeah. just wants to be like Ugh, well never again hey it's okay. new jersey but on an island <laughs> but uh, yeah we shot all the whole show uh in about tw- 19 days over about five weeks oh my god yeah or no it was like two months sorry we, we had a um, it was, yeah, it was intense because, yeah, Kevin and I kind of learned a lot of things on the fly of oh, yeah. how to balance schedules, how to make sure everybody was where they needed to be, uh, getting cast and crew in one place, feeding everybody, yeah. uh, getting all these location shots, uh, just figuring out the, the laws of the city, where you can shoot, where you can't shoot, needing permits for a few shots. Uh, it's insane. It's It was a lot of fun, but... At, at the time, it's just like, oh, God, this is just so much work. All distilled down into 12, six-and-a-half-minute episodes. I can't even Man. imagine. And and you guys don't have the support of a network or anyone, right? This is just you and your money? This is just oh, – we did a Kickstarter. We, yeah, we, yeah, we did a Kickstarter for 5000 Uh I ended up spending a little bit more than that uh, for everything. Uh, but luckily I had, you know, I had some money from doing uh Bayside. So I mean, luckily I could, I could afford it, uh, but it totally looked, it's worth it. I mean, I, but, but our, that's all credit to our editor who is just amazing. They're putting in all little, um, uh, 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 special effects there and just making things glow and just giving little fake screens on the computers totally sells it. I mean, I know the show. You know, is a little cheap because we we spent like you know seven thousand dollars on it over the course of two months. Yeah. So we you know it's not like great amazing full sets. We don't have parts of you know uh, the robots or you know like data like we don't have yeah, a communications yeah. port popping up off the side. But just the little touches of things glowing and the computer sounds and stuff like that totally sells. Just like oh yeah, it's, it's amazing. What he his, he did amazing work. Oh absolutely, it's it's great. Oh, so I, I wish it maybe kind of start the beginning because. I you've been on the Daily Show. I thought was great, but I loved your story of how you started comedy. Uh, so you you went, you're from Virginia? Yes, I'm from Northern Virginia, which is uh, a northern outpost in a southern state, which I like to say. <laughs> like uh, it's like are you DC Metro? Exactly. Yeah, uh, Fairfax is like 20 minutes south of DC. Oh, nice. Yeah, I think I've been to Alexandria. I don't think I've ever been to Fairfax. Yep. No, that's basically that is Fairfax County. That is right. Yeah, right there. Yep. It wasn't the south. <laughs> Nope, Actually, I, it was not. Actually, I very much like the South. It's very nice down there. 
<laughs> Some places are very nice. Yeah. Culturally speaking, though, Northern Virginia, it was very northern in its mindset that I found people are like, oh, where are you from? Oh, I'm from Northern Virginia. Oh, you're from, you're Southern. Like, uh, no, no, no I'm not. Because I, I, I went to school to, at Virginia Tech. And so there's, you know, a lot of people from all over Virginia and a lot of other, you know, some other close Southern states go there. And it was a little bit of a culture shock of hearing people uh, use certain words to describe black people. Yeah, uh, that's tough. And just some other attitudes about other races yeah. that I was unprepared for. Because be- I thought, well, oh, everyone's from Virginia, right? Virginia's a, a cool state. Like, we're, uh, you know, we're Democrats and uh, everything's cool. Nope, that's not true. <laughs> it is not just, just the D.C. area. Everywhere else is. Was it weird to meet woo. people whose family actually works in coal mines? You're like, oh, that still exists. Yeah. When we went, we traveled once to watch a uh, Virginia Tech-West Virginia football game at West Virginia University, and that was very, very interesting, being in the mountains of West Virginia. Just not used to that mindset at all. That's Appalachia, right? Yep. Oh, wow. Yep. Oh, my God. Well, uh, so you started off doing, like, a daily show type in college, right? So you you learned everything. Uh, You were the... Yeah. When I went to I went to Virginia Tech, kitty ah oh, like cats. Um, I, I went to Virginia Tech and I thought I wanted to be an engineer and quickly learned that that was not the case. Uh, and then kind of floated around a little bit trying to figure out what to do and then found that they had a student-run TV station and I always liked television so I thought I'd give it a chance uh, and fell in love. It's just so cool shooting stuff and making TV. Even it was for like the fifty people on campus that watched. Uh, and eventually they, they said, Adam, go on camera and, and do like sports or something for like the, the news uh, program. And as soon as I got on camera, uh, just being myself and reading the teleprompter, people were like, uh, dude, you're funny. You, you should do stuff with the uh, comedy people that did like a sketch show and stuff like that. I said, okay, yeah, I'll hang out with them. Uh, started hanging out with them a little bit. And uh, one of the guys there said, like, we should do a comedy show. Um, just you and me, and you can host it. And I was like, I can? Like, yeah, you, you host. I'll help write, and we'll just all kind of be directing. And um, what should we do? It's like, well, I really like The Daily Show. And this was, you know, 2000, 2001. Is that Kinnear? That was right when Jon Stewart was taking over. Yeah, yeah, the awkward years. So, yeah. So I was like, well, I like The Daily Show. Let's, let's, can we just copy that? And like, sure, uh, we'll call it The Weekly Show. Because it's, it's weekly, because we're clever. Yeah. Uh, and so... Uh, we did it my, 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 uh, my senior year and then it was really fun and I had a really good time and learned a whole bunch about how I was not good at writing comedy, but I was good at being silly on camera and then decided to stay an extra year in college just to do the show again for a year. That's incredible. Yeah, I didn't, uh, I could have graduated. I had enough of credits, didn't need to stay, uh, but I was like, I don't want to go in the real world, and no, none of my friends are graduating. So, um, parents, can I just stay here? I'm not ready yet. And they're like, sure, sure. I was like, yeah, I'll get another minor in political science. Sure, that's that's a good that's a good thing. I I, I did not tell him at the time. It was specifically just so I could stay and hang with my friends <laughs> and have and have a show for another year. At least you were working on skills. Yeah, it wasn't you uh, were drinking great. beer just to drink beer at least. Exactly. Yes. Uh, I, I, I had a political science minor, which was a great minor to have. I really understand politics now, which is really cool, uh, which helped me later on, obviously, going on The Daily Show and stuff. 
Uh, but and having a TV show and learning how to write and produce segments and, and edit and do all these things was really cool. Uh, the problem was that when I graduated in 2002, uh, there were no jobs for anybody. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, me and my friends all floundered for a long time trying to figure out, oh, well, we were told when we went into college that there'll be jobs for everybody. And now there isn't. We don't know what to do because we didn't learn that in college. Yeah. Uh, somebody help? And they're like, we, no, we're too busy doing our own stuff. We can't help you. Um, but luckily, my girlfriend at the time mentioned that the Daily Show has interns. Maybe you should apply because, you know, you did some work in, uh, like that in college. Okay. So I applied. And they called me back asking for a, an interview. And I was like, well, okay, this is – I can't believe you called me back. This is great. So I went up to New York City, uh, went in and had an interview with them, which consisted of basically one question. Do you want to work at The Daily Show? And I said, yes, please. And they're like, okay, cool. Um, so have you ever been, been in New York City before? Nope. And we just shot the shit for another 10 minutes. And I said, great. Uh, we'll let you know. I was like, okay. And then like a, a couple weeks later, they called me back. It's like, we'd like to have you as an intern. Which was insane. Turns out, uh, I wrote this uh, cover letter and sent, when I sent in my cover letter and resume, the cover letter was basically like, I really want to work at the show. I had a show in college that was based off of you guys. Jon Stewart, you know, is an inspiration to me. And I'd like, really like to work there and, you know, blah, 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 blah. When they got my cover letter, half of the people thought I was a stalker. <laughs> and the other half thought I was just... Uh, just really motivated. The reason why they called me was to see if I was a stalker or just a really motivated kid. Yeah, which I didn't find out until the last week I was there for the internship. Because they're like, oh, Adam, I mean, you've been great. Don't think we haven't noticed you've been you're the hardest worker of all your intern class. We'd love to hire you. There's just no openings. And there's never any openings at The Daily Show because no one leaves. But... Um, you know, funny story. Actually, the reason why we called you up here was because we thought you were a stalker. And they told me what happened. And I was like, holy crap, that's the only reason why you called me? So you guys could figure it out? They're like, yeah, that was the only reason. <laughs> I mean, it worked <laughs> out. Jeez. Uh, Fine. Great. Thank do you. Do you remember the people that interviewed you? Was uh, God, I've seen a couple. Uh, they just did this thing. It was like the, the writers of The Daily Show. They did like a stand-up tour that came through Providence. It was really cool. Oh. Cool. Uh, one of the executive producers, I think his name is Rory Albanese. Rory Albanese. Was he there when you were Rory, there? He was there, yes. The the, the people who interviewed me were, uh, her name was Jen and uh, somebody else, I forget her name, but they were like in charge of like the PAs and stuff like that. At the time, Rory was a uh, producer, a post-segment producer, I believe was the title or something like that. Rory was the one that I always said that Rory Albanese was my comedy sire because he's the one that really pushed me to do stand-up. Uh, because a lot of everyone there at the show, it shouldn't be a surprise, that everyone there does comedy in some way, shape, or form. But that did surprise me. I know that's weird. I Actually, no, I was wrong. I saw him open up for Joe McHale. Uh, had free tickets. Very funny. And then, nice. Um, I didn't know that everyone there does comedy. Uh, everyone I guess it makes some... so much sense. Yeah, it's a really funny environment. Uh, everyone's great there. I mean, it, sh it is exactly what you think that it is. And so it's not like the uh, Simpsons episode when Bart goes to Mad Magazine and it's just like a boring office, and then he no. leaves and the door opens up. I hope you've seen that. I, that's I have. 
deep but no, it's not. Everyone, everyone is super nice. Everyone's really funny. Everyone's cut, making jokes here and there and having a good time. I mean, everyone's working their asses off. Obviously, they're making a show in a day. But everyone's really good natured, having a good time, and it was a great working experience. But uh, people quickly realized that you know I'm a, a normal dude, kind of funny, and they said, Adam, you should do stand up. Everyone else here does something. You should do stand up. I was like, well, I never thought about doing stand up. I just wanted to be on camera and be silly because I that's what I did in college. I didn't right? I didn't know stand up was a thing. Well, I mean, it was a thing. I just didn't know I could do it. Um, but everyone kept telling me, Adam, do Ed Helms pulled me aside at one point and I was like, I heard you're thinking about doing stand up. I was like, yeah, I wasn't at the time, but he's like, here's here's what you do. Go buy this book. Start going to clubs. Just he's like laid out how he started doing stand-up. And I was like, this is unbelievable. Uh, it was it was just amazing. But it was basically Rory saying, Adam, if you don't get on stage in the next month, I'm never talking to you again. So here's the number of a, of a, a show. Call them. They'll put you on. Uh, and you better do it or don't ever call us again. So, yeah. I mean, I needed it. Everyone, I mean, because stand-up, is extremely scary at the beginning because you don't know what you're doing. And it's very hard being yourself on stage oh, yeah. trying to tell get people to laugh. Alone. Uh, exactly. Ugh. Alone. I've always said that. Com- stand-up is the hardest comedy art because you are alone and you are yourself. Everything else, if it's sketch, if it's improv, you have a team of people around you and you're playing somebody else. Yeah. So it's a little... A little easier, and you can hide. Yes, that's true. A little true. easier to hide. That's very true. I mean, so you're talking the Daily Show of, I mean, this is like the golden. I mean, I think it's still great, but you're talking Stephen Colbert, Stephen, uh, Steve Carell, Ed Helms, uh, Samantha B. Is she there yet? She was uh, interviewing when I was there. Oh man, so you've gotten to meet, like, you've met Steve Carell and all those people. Yep, I met Carell. I met Colbert. Uh, and uh, Ed Helms was there. Rob Corddry was there. Rob Corddry, I forget he was there. Mm-hmm. Corddry was there. It w- it was the heyday. Yeah, it was the heyday of the show as as it was back in the day. It was an amazing because it was also the run up to the Iraq War at that time. Yes, I was there spring of '03, and the city was just. And this was the first time I was ever in New York City. I I was there like on my third day there. It was my first day at the Daily Show. So I'm like I didn't know anything about the city didn't know how to, i mean i um, i got there 10 minutes late because i didn't know how to take a crosstown bus to get there yeah i just i didn't know the streets or anything I just i was lost thank god it was a grid and i figured it out but oh man it was a rough few months trying to figure everything out yeah but yeah man it was i was running around all the, running around the city everybody's like news reports about you know wsmds here colin powell at the at un it was just it was a crazy awesome time to be there because it was, you know, a big moment in history was about to happen. Oh, God. And now is uh, all those people as nice as everyone says they really are? Like Helms, yeah, are. Dort, Carell, Colbert. Like, I just heard nothing but stupidly nice things about those people. Here's how awesome Jon Stewart is. The first day we, we were there, uh, they took us around and to meet everybody. And John just happened to be in his office. He came out and said hi. And he said, hey, everybody, uh, thanks for working for free for us. And then we all giggled. And we're like, I can't believe we're talking to John Stewart. Yeah. This is amazing. That day, uh, I went around the office and was giving out, like, new phone trees for people. And two producers came out and said, hey, you kind of look like Wayne Gretzky. What are you doing tonight? 
I go, uh, nothing, because it's my third day in the city. I don't know. They're like, do you want to come with us to Chelsea Piers and shoot a package with us? I had no idea what Chelsea Piers was, but I was like, yes, I would like to be on camera for you. Absolutely, yes. Yes. <laughs> so we go to Chelsea Piers. We shoot this thing where it was uh, a, a package called Puck Buddies, where it was, an, uh, it was about a, one straight guy on an all-gay hockey team <laughs> that played at Chelsea Piers. <laughs> Uh, and the gag at the end was that Wayne Gretzky's like, I'm not gay either, you know, and you can be ho- you can be a hockey player if you're not gay, something like that. Uh, but I wore, I wore a jersey, and they shot me, like, everything from, like, the lips, you know, down, uh, and it was awesome. It was really funny, and they said, you know, uh, the show, it'll be on the show Wednesday. Uh, so you can come in and be in the audience on Wednesday when we show it. I'm like, okay, great. So I came in, had to sit in the audience. The first time sitting in the audience watching The Daily Show, uh, and it was really funny. Everyone laughed when I was on camera. It was like, oh, yeah, this is amazing. So Thursday morning, uh, that was one of my scheduled work days. I'm working the front desk, and uh, John walks in. You know, he's like the last one in. And he just walks up to the desk and goes, hey, Adam, you did a great job on the package last night. It was really funny. And then just went to his office. Wow. And I was like, how, how did you? Who? You know my name? You came up and thanked me, and it turned out it was his joke. He wrote that into the package. Oh, wow. So, yeah, I did John Stewart's joke wow. in the package, and it was like, it was like I was freaking yeah. out. Yeah. Like, I can't believe thir- third day there, and I'm, uh, hi, he knows me. Oh, God, it was so, it was so amazing. It was so amazing. I think when you hear internship, I would just assume if you work at The Daily Show, you don't meet John, and, and not John's fault, busy dude, but like. Yeah, you knew your name? Busy dude. Jesus. I went to a taping of The Daily Show once. It was awesome. This was only like, like two, three years ago. And mm-hmm. um, you know how John comes out and talks to the crowd and everything? I do, yeah. Someone who worked there had to come pull him away because he wouldn't stop talking to the crowd and they were going to run late. <laughs> he just kept yeah. taking questions until someone made him stop. And I was like, that's... He... And he was a failed uh, comedian or actor. He calls himself a failed actor. I mean, yeah, even though he's great he in Big Daddy. Yes, but um, he, he had a lot of, of bad MTV shows. Yeah, they were not his format. No, they were. There. I, I don't even. I can't. You know, I can't even speak to them. I bear. I didn't have cable at the, when I was that young, so I don't mm-hmm. remember them. But I, I want. I when I was there, I really want. He's taking questions, and I, I really wanted to ask him a question. But it was like, I know. I would just assume it was about like the Larry Sanders show. So I was like, I don't think he wants to be asked about that. Like, fifteen years later, so I just kind of let it be. But like, I don't know. Did you ever watch that? Oh yeah. I didn't watch that till hit Netflix like three years ago, and that but that's the amazing scene with Jeffrey Tambor, John Stewart, and the Wu Tang Clan, and then he says something racist. <laughs> but, oh God, I mean Stewart's, oh, but like I mean Carell and Colbert. I mean, are you kidding me? Hey, yeah, I mean, they're just the nicest people. Here's actually the thing about um, the same situation. So I worked with the audience coordinators a lot at this at this uh, the Daily Show, which basically meant that my job was to go in in the morning. And there was like 70 messages on the machine. And I had to listen to all of them and take notes of like, this person called because we're like, we're coming to get tickets for the show. Like, we're coming to New York City in July 24th. We'd love tickets. Or, you know, so, and then they have to take, their, take down the name and number, call them back, and try to get them tickets. And that took all day. But because of that, I got to be on the floor during the taping. Uh, so I used to give the little the warm up not the, not the warm up speech but like when people were in holding I'd tell them like these are the rules of the show everybody and I get in front yeah. of the group like you know a hundred people and tell them stuff uh, 
And then one day, uh, after the warm-up guy went and John was answering questions, somebody goes, hey, asked a question about how to become an intern for the show. And John goes, geez, I don't know. Is there an intern down here? And I was like, oh, me. And my, the audience guy was like, yeah, yeah go ahead. And I was like, I am. I'm, a, I'm an intern. And he goes, okay, uh, what's it like being an intern? And without missing a beat, I go, oh, you get used to the beatings. <laughs> and then... Everybody starts cracking up. The audience, like 150 people in the audience start laughing. John's laughing. I was like, oh, well, then, okay, this is it then. I'll, I'll do this. I will, I will tell jokes for the rest of my and, life. But, like, really, it was this is my career. It wasn't like I'm influenced by John Stewart. It's like me and John had a personal relationship, working relationship. And he thought it was yeah. funny. Also, uh, and Ed Helms took. I mean, you had all the science to be like, become a comedian, become a comedian. Well, I'm glad you took them. <laughs> yeah, me too. Uh, it, I mean, it has <sighs> been rough going at times, but I have had a very fulfilling life. And now um, so. I saw that you worked with Paul Macario. He's a Providence cat. Oh, yes, that's right. I used to work with Paul a lot because he was the warm-up guy uh, at the Daily Show. Yeah, did I say his last name right? Because he has a mm-hmm. great podcast as well. I know, it's prolific. He had uh, Paul McCartney on. He did have Paul McCartney on. I don't know. You know what's kind of, it's mind-blowing about podcasts. I don't know how some aren't larger than they are. But, like, if you can get Paul McCartney, it's, I, I don't know. But I, I actually, I, I found him through podcasting as well. I really, I, I like him a lot. His podcast is really great. But, so, he worked with uh, Paul. Uh, mm-hmm. He's, I think he's, I don't know where he's from in Providence, but he's a, pro, I think he's from the other side of town. He might be, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we. Uh, I used to help him out uh, doing audience stuff for his shows. He had some weekend headlining gigs at clubs here in the city that I used to help him out on. And uh, he let me uh, feature for him on those shows. Wow. Which was really, really nice. Yeah. One of my, my first tape on, online is actually a 10-minute set featuring for him before one of his shows. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. And luckily that tape turned out great. It was, it was a great set. I was like, I think about three or four years into comedy when I filmed that. Then it turned out great. Is that the St. Mark's Theater video that's on your page? That was that was the other one. Okay, the other one. That was the the one at Comics. Yeah, okay. That does not exist anymore because that, for whatever reason, we all everyone really loved that club, but apparently, except the owner, <laughs> uh, the, except the owner of the audience didn't seem to want to go down there. Yeah, for whatever reason, it was a really nice club. So, do you have your specific clubs that you love and hate? Performers yes. are uh, all. I don't want you. Don't badmouth anyone. Obviously. Okay. Yeah. Because I'm not. Because I wouldn't say. But them I, you know, right. when when uh, clubs get big, like when comedians can get larger and tour enough, you could tell the difference from a a a bar that happens to have comedy. Like Todd Glass is very vocal about clubs. Mm-hmm. You have a uh, a bar that happens to have comedy, and then we have they have like comedy clubs that are just like a, like a UCB or something like that. Yeah. Oh, I used to I used to have a show at UCB. Oh wow. Uh, uh, last. Yeah, it was last year, wasn't it? It was last year. Uh, it was uh, it was called Our Stand Up. It was the official comedy show of the Our Stand Up community on Reddit. Oh, for a year and a half. Yeah. Now Reddit has I I, I I'm you're probably old. I'm thirty, so I'm a little out okay. of the loop with the Reddit because I I don't oh, really? I don't get it. I don't understand it. I should. I just don't do it. But so but. I kind of know. I know of it. I know what it is. But I didn't know that that Reddit took place in the real world where people have, like, groups and meetings. There are some real-world Reddit meetings. Uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of communities for Reddit uh, that people have, like, beat-up groups and stuff in a lot of major cities. That's that's um, really cool. Yeah, and we had some pretty great success with it. We, had, we were at UCB East for a year, 
and then we moved the show over to uh, the Creek in the Cave in Long Island City for six months. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, and it was it, we did it weekly there, and it was really good. We had a really good time. We had a lot of cool comics come out, um, you know, Reddit Comics and some other people, uh, like you know, major names like uh, Mike Kaplan. Uh, oh, yeah, came a I lot, like him. Who's awesome. He's got a Netflix just, special, too. Which is super funny. Yeah. Uh, we had... Um, uh, oh, he changed his name back to his real name, but it was MC uh, Mr. Napkins. Uh, I'm not sure. Came out. He's a really funny guy. I, I wish I knew his actual name. Um, but he he came to the show once. Um, oh, we were in the New York Comedy Festival last year. Oh, which yeah. Which is how I got to be in the New York Comedy Festival. That's... Which was awesome. You get that picture behind... That's fucking incredible. Yeah, which is that's a nice little credit of... Hey, I was in the New York Comedy Festival. Yeah, last year. your credits are pretty incredible. And from I listened to you on the Past the Gravy podcast your first time, mm-hmm. and I love how just casually you're like, "Yeah, I was on the Daily Show. It was really cool." I'm like, but you're just not. You don't seem very cocky about it. I'd be like, if I met John Stewart, I don't think I'd ever stop talking about that. Well, here's the thing. Like, uh, at the time, I was super cocky about Rightfully it. Rightfully so. Because. Because I was like, all right, I'm 24. I want to do this comedy thing. I want to work in this television thing. I just worked at the motherfucking Daily Show. Yeah. I should be – it's like the best show on the goddamn planet. That means I should get any job here in New York City because I am amazing. And that doesn't and how then, work out. <laughs> and then nothing. Yeah. And then just humbled because, like, no one cares. Like, yeah, an, you had an internship at a show. You know how many kids have internships at different shows? A bunch. You're not special. Shut up. Uh, <laughs> So, yeah, this one thing the city did a very good job of uh, was breaking me down yeah. so I could build myself back up. So when you were, so you had to do that, and then you started open mics? Yeah. What happened was I did a couple bringer shows uh, after my internship and then went a little insane because a girl broke my heart, and yeah. as they do. That produces uh, the best art, heartbreak. It does. Uh, but what happened was I went insane enough that I moved home for a while yeah. just because I was like, I can't. Ah, yeah, yeah. Everything sucks. Uh, uh, you know, it happy as it happens in your mid twenties, everyone kind of goes through a little crisis of, yeah. of conscience and heart and stuff like that. But uh, I was home for like a year and a half, and then in that time healed, and then realized, you know, I had the the, the hunger to get back on stage and to tell jokes. Uh, and then eventually started doing some open mics down in New, uh, down in DC. But DC. I mean, has there's some really very talented comics that started in D.C. or, or are in D.C. Yeah. Uh, but the scene itself is not very large. There's not a lot of opportunities to get on stage. Yeah. So I was like, no, I, I want to go back to New York. That's what's where my heart is. I need to need to go there. And so, yeah, I moved back up to the city and I started hitting as many open mics as possible. What are you doing for uh, uh, money at this time then? Because you're not getting paid from open mics. Like, do you have jobs? Like, you're a nine to five guy? Uh, thankfully, no. I, wow. yes, have, I mean, I've been doing this whole thing, this whole song and dance for like 10 years now. Yeah. So I've finally gotten to a point where I can say that I am paying the bills through comedy. That's, in some, you made it. In, yes. Technically, I have made no, it. I mean, I, I really feel uh, that I, is the definition of success because I hate when people are like, success is Jerry Seinfeld. I'm like, no. No. That's no. ridiculous. If you can find your passion and you can make that your job. That's success with acting, yes. with any sort of art. If you can somehow, and I mean, think of how crazy that sounds is that you paying your bills with comedy. That's and congratulations. That's fucking awesome. And I, I know you. it took, it's not easy. <laughs> no, I 
so many shitty jobs and yeah. so many so many stupid little side ventures and all sorts of crap. Um, and the thing is, like, it, it could still like go away at any moment. So, like, I'm, I, I can pay my bills now, now <laughs> through uh, doing comedy and doing silly things for money, which is great. Uh, but you know, gigs can end, things can change. I may have to go back to doing some crap. Luckily, I, I just, I physically cannot do a nine to five job. I will go insane. Yeah. Uh, so I'm just not one of those people. I tried doing a nine to five job and almost did go insane. Yeah. Like, oh. For mental health reasons, I seriously need to quit this job. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't do this like the other ninety nine percent of you can. I just, I just can't. Um, but yeah, luckily right now I can, I can do it. I'm affording everything. Uh, I would love to keep going and you know getting more, uh, hopefully higher paying, yeah, uh, jobs here and there because of the uh, the stand up and the writing and the, just the being funny in general. Well, I mean, it sounds like you got a lot of plates spinning at once, which in this day and age you have to do. Yeah, it's like it is amazing what is required of young comics yeah. now. You know who uh, always impresses me with their like their business sense and how much how busy they are. Uh, do you listen to Doug Benson at all? I don't, but I know a lot of it, a lot about him. He's a big stoner comic. Yeah. He has nine hundred podcasts and tours relentlessly, and like you just wouldn't think. I was like, well, that's what you got to do. You got to tour. You got to have a show here. But like you know, podcast. So many irons in the fire, so to speak. Yeah, you need to to be able to reach as many different people in as many different ways as possible. And basically, like, I got to a point, like, five years into stand-up, I was like, Jesus, I just, I'm okay at that point. I was like, I'm uh, okay at this. I can make people, you know, a group of 200 people, you know, laugh a little bit for about 10 minutes. That's impressive. I should be able, why are I not in clubs? I should be. Oh, uh, yeah. Doing all of the other things, yeah, and it gets very frustrating. And like, I think it's a it's a normal process of you, you, when you start out doing comedy, you suck, you suck hard, and you suck for a long time, and then all of a sudden you start getting just a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better, and you're like, hey, I'm okay at this. I'm still not that great, but I'm okay. Um, but you start getting frustrated, like, because I'm, I'm I'm not an open micer anymore. I'm okay at this. I mean, sure, there's. Plenty of potential left to grow, but like I, I I'm okay. I, I, I should be getting more things than what I'm getting, and then you just like you need to just go do other things, yeah, just to stay sane. Because if you keep bashing your head against the wall trying to do stand up, uh-huh. you're gonna go nuts. And isn't there that thing like you have to actually have a life to actually find comedy? You can't just do stand up. Yes, you gotta absolutely. go out. And... That's one of the biggest things. It's one of the biggest things. That's one of the reasons why young comics are notoriously not good because they haven't lived anything yet yeah they haven't done or been in or crazy situations or had crazy experiences or you know had their heart broken or had a parent die or had any of these momentous life things that they can then take to the stage and relate to other people who are probably older than they are and relate to them in any way shape or form because i mean when you're a young comic you usually just talk about poop and sex oh yeah basically that's you know uh, yeah oh because that's funny right and i've done both of those things maybe hopefully and like, <laughs> oh, yeah but but what's your take on it and they're like oh it's funny right like okay yeah it, it's hilarious but maybe get back to us in 10 years after you've yeah had some experiences or some actual thing the story you can tell us about that one time where that weird thing happened when your penis was in somebody 
I mean, there was the comedy boom of the eighties, and then the the miss, but then the birth of the I guess I hate that term, but alternative comedy. So you're in it now, like you're in the grounds. What is what is this called? This era? Because it's is it just like everything's so niche? I think it's the digital age, really. I mean, everything is. I mean, yeah, we had the alt comedy movement in the nineties, and then comedy exploded again in the 2000s when cable went insane yeah. and then now the internet's blowing up. So there's so many different venues for comedy right now, but there isn't a whole lot of comedy stand up on television. No, there just isn't. It's really weird. No, you're right. There's a lot of sketch though. I've been seeing more sketch comedy has been kind of blowing up. And a lot, a lot of it is good. Some of it is horrendous. Oh yeah. As always. But stand-up wise, yeah, I mean there isn't. It's not well represented right now, which is weird because there are just, just so many stand-up comics. It's ridiculous how many there are. Yeah, I feel like which yeah. is part of the problem. To be <laughs> yeah. honest, let's get rid of some of them. Well, because everyone thinks they can do it. Yeah. When Stane Cook hit in the mid two thousands, because of you know MySpace and stuff, he was like, "Oh, this looks so easy. Yeah, everyone can do it." And then as YouTube and the internet grew and made things more accessible to people. Everyone's like, well, I can do stuff too now. And now we have Vine stars and YouTube celebrities and all this other bullshit. It's like, are you kidding me? Yeah. It's unbelievable how many, the amount of different venues are out there, but there are still so much bullshit in the way of getting noticed through those venues. That's a very good point. <laughs> it's actually it's, harder now. I mean, anyone could do it, but I think like in the eighties, I know that was like a thing. It was like housewives and and mechanics were just getting up on stage in clubs, and they were everywhere. And then they all closed yeah. down. Yeah, uh, Roseanne, uh, Tim Allen, yeah. Seinfeld, like all these people, just kind of uh, uh, what was that? Uh, Grace, somebody or other from Grace Under Fire. Thank you. Yep, that's exactly what. That's exactly what. Because I, I know people of. bring that up every day. <laughs> yeah, it was so, just you know. I don't know her name. Comic, you're, you'll get a sitcom. Ellen DeGeneres. Yep. Paula Poundstone. Like everyone, just yeah. oh yeah, you just you, everyone gets a show. Everyone gets a they, show because they were just like, handing them out. They were, and now it's not that at all. And you're not making the money. Like no one's making. Even like look at Louis C.K. Like well, I know his HBO show. What, Lucky Louis was pretty good, but then. Um, I actually I don't consider a show comedy at all because it's not funny. I don't think it's supposed to be funny. I love it. It's brilliant. Louis? Yeah, yeah. Here's the thing. Like I, I love Louis C.K. Just let's get that well, out of the way. Who doesn't? You know, he's he, the guy. He's he the guy. My juices. He's like one. He's like one of my spirit animals. Like yeah. I just love how him and Carlin. Yeah, like, that's my type of comedy. I love talking about things and breaking them down and trying to get people to think a little bit. I'm not. You know, if I have a poop joke, it, you know, it's a thoughtful poop yeah. joke. It's not just. Uh, and, I, and I pooped in somebody. Ha ha ha! Um, I love being. I love comedy used as an instrument of change yeah. or making people think, uh, which not everybody is into. It doesn't seem like it's all that popular right now. Yeah. But I, I that is for me. That's what comedy should be used as. Um, but like, I want Louis C.K. to succeed as much as possible because he's awesome, and it clears the way for other people yeah. of the same you know mindset of comedy. But when his show came out, I'm like, this is going to be great because I love his stage persona. I love him yelling at the machine and yelling at his kids and just raging against yeah. how things are dumb and rah, 
and then the show, as you know, just isn't that at all. Which it's just yeah. him getting the, beat up by life. Which is kind of like a true comedian. Because in the show, he's not Louis C.K. that we see. It's it's not the comedians in cars getting coffee on a yacht, Louis. Right. It's like playing a show at the cellar and then having a horrible experience. Yeah. And I don't know. For me personally, I was like, I didn't want to watch that. Yeah. I don't want to see him lose consistently all the time getting his ass kicked by life. Maybe it's because it's too close to home. Yeah. comic. And I don't want that to be my future. That must be harder for comedians to watch that because I don't do sets at the cell. I don't even been to the comedy cellar. But oh, it's very nice, by the way. Yes, I, I I do have plans of going there very soon. I really I do want to do all the New York stuff. That's starting on my that's my list of things. But like you actually have, you know, you're doing sets and then you have to go home and then just be you. And just yeah, <laughs> not as an which I like being me. It's not a bad thing. But it's like I just kind of wanted I wanted to see him win or kind of you know or just maybe have a side where he yells at this lady who's dumb for whatever reason and then cut back. But not even that he just gets his ass kicked by life consistently. And I'm like, oh, this isn't fun for me. Uh, but I'm glad everyone else likes it. I, I I just have a very hard time watching it. I have noticed too, like there's a thing in comedy of like even like girls, which I also love. I don't know why they consider that a comedy because it's it's not funny. Like I don't I don't laugh, and Lena Dunham isn't a comedian. And but there's this weird thing in comedy where it's like not humor, and it's the struggle. And I love both of those shows very much. Like I love that show, and I really respect Lena Dunham. I just get so annoyed at its category. It really kind of it, it does bum me out. Thank you. Thank you so much for that because it's so true. Everyone, it seems like nowadays that people hand out the, the moniker of comedian far too easily because it's like, oh, it's, you know, girls is a comedy. Lena Dunham is a comedian. Like, no, she's not. And she's never said she is either. She's, it's not her. I only think it's because uh, Judd Apatow is attached to it. Maybe. That's probably and it. He, but just, he was a, and he'll be the first to tell you he was a terrible stand up. <laughs> Yeah, some people just aren't cut out for stand-up. I mean, I think stand-up is like the, the center point of all the comedy wheel. Yeah, oh, if yeah. Any spoke leads off a of stand-up. Oh, absolutely. If you can write a stand-up joke, you can write basically anything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, some jokes just aren't, you know, people's brains aren't set up for stand-up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's the people love labeling others as comics. They love it. It's like, mm, no, that person is a comedic actress, sure, uh, or a great improviser comedian but i mean you are not a comic I mean, just for me if you're a comic if you're a comedian that means you do stand-up comedy and then you can do other things off of that but you are at your core a stand-up comic but everyone else does i mean i don't know oh no i'm with you well there's that great just, uh, that great steve martin quote like uh, a comedian's job isn't to be funny it's their job to be funny on friday at eight like, <laughs> that's a comedian yes. Yeah, like your job isn't just being funny at all time. Like you have to be this place this time, funny. That's your fucking job. And, and and just and I don't blame any of the people like who have been bestowed upon that label because I don't know celebrities. I'm very aware of that. Like the task, I don't give a shit. Like I, I like Lena Dunham, whatever. But it just when it comes to the like the Emmys, I there's so many programs I love that are just getting ignored. Like. Bob's Burgers, Archer, uh, God, what I other mean, comedies have we watching? Fact, was it, is it the Emmys? I think it is the Emmys, where it's like drama or, no, what is it? It's a, Golden Globes? Comedy doesn't have its own category. Yeah. It's, 
comedy or drama. that other not comedy thing. I know. Uh, like, variety show? Is that what it yes. is? Musical or variety like, show? Why would Veep and The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon ever go hand in hand? It fucking pisses me off so much. Right? Just, oh my god. The world we live in, how do we not, everyone else realizes these are two wholly separate things. We can handle two wholly separate categories to have these shows be recognized for what they are and not go up against each other because they shouldn't. And when one of them loses to the other, especially if it's a comedy going up against like a variety show it's and it not fucking wins. Fair. It's It's just, you, I know, I love your reaction. Nerd rage, just, yeah. oh my god. It's so infuriating that the comedy still doesn't get its due. For as much as it's, how all, as many awesome things its comedy has done and provided for us, it's still not getting the recognition that it Never. deserves. I, fucking Mighty Python would, and, and in theory, would go against like Jay Leno and The Tonight Show, whatever. And but they're so different. It's oh, I know. And because I'm, it just bothers me so much. It bothers me like to no end. I, how many fucking variety shows exist? I don't even know. Besides The Tonight Shows, too many. Yeah, there is too many. I just read Neil Patrick Harris is getting one, but. You know, the only person I would like to see have one would be, like, Maya Rudolph. I think she could pull it off. She could pull it off. Although, it's NPH. Yeah, he'll do good. I mean, he's going to be amazing. So, I don't... I begrudge nothing to Neil Patrick Harris, because he is amazing. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Like, Dr. Horrible sing-along blog. Dude, when's that sec- sequel coming out, right? Oh, I know, right? They it's, keep oh. talking about it. And they it's, uh, say it's a thing that's happening. But he's cool. He did the Neil, Neil Patrick Harris's Puppet Dreams on the Nerdist Network, which was incredible. He did. Yep. I wish they'd bring back the Muppet Show. Like that's the variety show that I loved, like the nineteen seventies. Like, if there oh. is a show that is desperately needed in our society as it stands right now, yeah, it's the Muppet Show. Absolutely. We everything. All these other shows are being rebooted and all this bullshit. I mean, I grew up with the Muppet Show. Yeah, I mean, it is it is important. It is good. It is clean, normal comedy for families. Oh yeah, and kids would love it. It's just it's so at its heart good that we desperately need that show to come back. It would be amazing if it came back. I know. I think Disney owns it now. I actually had a puppeteer on here, uh, John Bristol. Really great episode. And afterwards, he was just telling me he had like audition to be a puppeteer for the Muppets, but it was just when um, Disney had bought it, and he ended up not getting it, and they're like, basically, like, Disney just has no idea what to do with the company. They're just like, they have no idea. He's like, you would have got it. Jim Henson would have loved you. I was like, oh. It was really cool. Um, I just went on a complete trail of how much I... But, yeah, I think it's because, like, people like you, and um, I think you're seeing this in the podcasting and, like, comedy community. You see all these, like... Shows like to me, like Mr. Show should be held up there on par with all of those things, or like Larry Sanders Show, or all like that stuff needs to be like with the high, most highly regarded uh, forms of media we have. Like The Wire and Larry Sanders Show are like my two favorite shows of all time. So different, but they should yeah. never go up for an award against each other. Never. Like I love like the Pele does all the archival stuff. Like I've been watching those on um uh, Yahoo uh, series. Like I, I watched the mm-hmm. Archer one. Oh my god, it's fucking incredible! Oh, you know, I kind of odd when we found each other on Twitter. I your name seemed like vaguely familiar, and I couldn't figure out why. So, extensive research of Google. I remember reading your name when about um, on Laugh Spin when the George Carlin way came to be, and I thought it was fucking awesome. He got a street, and then all of a sudden, like yesterday, I found out you're one of those people who got George Carlin way to get named. Yes. 
Thank uh, you. You're, uh, you're a welcome. lot of people owe you a huge like, I, like my father-in-law. You know, very stoic, quiet guy. I don't think he'd call himself a comedy nerd, but the two things that that guy loves is George Carlin and Monty Python. And like the guy, he, the way he, he talks about Carlin, like the way Republicans talk about fucking uh, Reagan. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, it's fucking Carlin. Yeah. yeah. Um, so here's how that happens. Yes, everything. Um, this is like, you okay. don't have no idea how sure. exciting it is to talk to someone who has oh. something to do with that. I'm like blown away. Okay. So a couple years ago, uh, my friend Kevin Bartini who is now one of the warm-up comics for The Daily Show and who I met through working with Paul Mercurio uh, many years ago. He is actually hanging out with Rory Albanese that you know from The Daily Show and just nonchalantly says, hey, uh, why doesn't George Carlin have a street named after him? And Rory goes, I don't, because no one's done it yet. He's like, oh, really? How do you do that? And Rory goes, I don't know. Maybe you should do it. And Kevin just, okay, I guess. And looked into it, and then he contacted uh, Kelly Carlin, George's daughter, asked if, you know, if she would be okay with that. She talked to some of the other family members. They gave their okay. Uh, and then Kevin started researching how to go about doing that. And the first thing he needed to do was to get a bunch of signatures from the area. So Kevin asked me if I would help because we were working together on a bunch of stuff. And I was like, Hell, I'm sorry, name a street after George Carlin, one, like the arguably the best comic of all time. Yeah, yeah. You're goddamn right I'm going to help and do whatever I need to to make sure this happens. So Kevin and I and a couple other people just went out and started getting signatures in the Morningside Tide area for like a couple months, really. And then uh, Kevin invited me to start going to uh, local government meetings with him because we started to, you know, we had to go through the local, the local government first of just like the Morningside Heights area representatives or whatever. Um, and we, he, uh, we cleared it with them. And, you know, we was like, we got to get the signatures. It's like, okay. Uh, and this is where we hit our first snag. Kevin contacted the Corpus Christi Church, which is on the street that George Carlin grew up on. Yeah, they're assholes. I and it, at first, they were like, sure, that's fine. And then on reflection, they're like, oh, wait a second. No, George Carlin hated the church. We should fight this tooth and nail. So they started fighting us and got their own petition of like, I think it was like 20 signatures, something like that against our like hundred thousand or some type of insane number. We had a lot of people sign up and then we did like an online poll or a signature thing. Uh, and so they started making a big stink about it. So they're like, we can't have the street that George Carlin grew up on, which was 121st street between uh, Amsterdam and Broadway uh, because they're on the same street. And it's like, we can't rename the street George Carlin way. Cause the kids, because the kids will know who George Carlin is and they can't, they should not know who George Carlin is. You mean the kids that they molested? Is that it? <laughs> Allegedly, baby. Uh, yes. So they just like, no, we can't. So we're fighting them tooth and nail and this local government uh, level. And then eventually they had their lawyers involved. So Kevin had to get a lawyer involved and had some like PR people start coming on to help him to do stuff. Uh, just because of Corpus Christi, just being all. Yeah. So eventually there was worked out a compromise that the street across the street, so 121st Street between Amsterdam and I think like West End or some, or I'm not quite sure what the name of the street is, um, but it's across the street from the street that George Carlin's building that he grew up in is going to be named George Carlin Way. So, all right, compromise, compromise. Great. That was all done two years ago. And then we had to wait for, between going from the local government 
to the city government to get out of like committee for the city, which was like a year or so later or like a year and a half later that it just kept getting delayed from like a bill that it was supposed to be part of. Uh, and then after that, it had to go, we had to wait another six months for it to get voted on by the whole, the whole city government. Uh, and it finally cleared that committee uh, in like some giant omnibus bill or something like that. And then we had to wait a few more weeks for uh, Mayor de Blasio to sign it. So all told, like Kevin and I went to a, a whole bunch of meetings. Kevin went to a whole bunch more on top of that. But we had to see this thing get voted on like four times, uh, getting out of each committee Jeez. as it went up the levels. Uh, and then we just had the ceremony uh, on the 22nd. Wednesday the 22nd was two weeks. Yeah, a week ago, two weeks ago. Uh, and it was amazing. Uh, it was attended by like, it seemed like a hundred fans or so were there. Uh, uh, some of this is online, by the way, you should be able to, we, be able I've been to following this on split Sider, actually. Oh, great. Yeah. So like, uh, we I had, couldn't uh, believe that you were uh, tied to it. It was like, I literally like my mind was blown. I was like, Oh my God, this is so fucking cool. Cool. Uh, there's some pictures of me standing. I was holding the, um, the, a, a sign said George Carlin away for people to be able to take pictures oh, with, man. uh, during the ceremony. Uh, that a lot of people were taking pictures with afterwards. Yeah. Uh, but I was, I was right in the back there, right behind Kevin and everybody, uh, for when they were doing their, uh, their, um, their speeches, but they had, uh, Kelly Carlin was there yeah. to kind of MC the whole thing. And Colin Quinn was there and Dave Attell showed up and Judah Freelander and Robert Klein, um, Gilbert Godfrey, as I say, he was there. Um, David Tell rolled in, uh, David Tell stopped me on the street and asked to get a picture of, of me holding a sign, which is like, well, you're like, no, I ask you for photos. <laughs> no, no, I was like, uh, yeah, Dave. I said, he's like, Hey, can I get a picture? I was like, yes, Dave, you can get a picture. Cause Fine. I'm like, of course I know who you are. I love David Tell. Yes. Here, here's a picture. Um, the ceremony was awesome. There's so many, there's so many press there. I was covered by everybody. It was insane. Kevin had this amazing speech which I believe is online. Uh, you, could, you could look it up. Uh, Kevin Bartini uh, should be able I think it's up there somewhere. Um, Kevin mentioned me and his wife, Jess, uh, who helped him out a lot, which was, which was awesome. Wasn't expecting that, but it was really cool to be recognized for being like the number two guy, which is great. Um, and then uh, that night we had a show at Caroline's to, uh, to have a big celebration of it. So uh, like Gipper Godfrey was there uh, performing... Uh, David Tell, uh, who else was there? Colin Quinn emceed the whole thing. Uh, 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 Jim Norton was there. Judah Freelander performed. Um, uh, Eddie Eddie Brill was there. Um, there was a couple others that I never saw before, but they were really funny. Ted Ted, Alexand- Ted Alexandro, ah, there we go, was there. Um, um, Artie Lang was there. Oh wow. Uh, yeah, it was a star-studded night. You performed with it was all amazing. those people. Yeah, Kevin did. Uh, Kevin got up to do ten minutes, which is great. Yeah. And uh, the the set of the night, though, I, the whole thing was recorded by uh, Sirius XM. Yep. Uh, I know. That hopefully, a lot of it got out there because a lot of them was really good sets. But the set of the night was Gilbert Godfrey, and I I really really hope that some it's out there somewhere or will be out there soon because I think it's a set that needs to be heard. Because it's a lot like, did you see, um, uh, damn, what's the movie? The, um, remember the movie, the, uh, the, the documentary a couple years ago about the, oh, the aristocrats. Yeah. Remember oh yeah. 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 Movie? Okay. Love that movie. Remember the story about how Gilbert Godfrey 
uh, was at the how he when he told his at the roast at the at the yes. roast right. It's like that because <laughs> he gets on everyone. Everyone's doing a great job, but most of the people there was just were doing material. They said, you know, it's really great to be here for to celebrate George Carlin, and then they kind of went into the material, and that's all fine. Everyone was having a great time, but Godfrey gets up there and just like. You know what the best day of my life was? Was the day that George Carlin died and just went off for 10 minutes just making fun of everybody and just reveling in the fact that George Carlin's dead and his his career is now better for it. It was so it was so wrong but so funny cuz obviously he wasn't being truthful but it's just like Everyone else was telling jokes and he wasn't. He yeah. was just like, I now believe in a God that when George Carlin said, God, I don't believe in you, but I'm done. I am suffering and I am done. And God turned to him and said, no, I believe in that God that made George <laughs> Carlin suffer wow. for weeks before he died. Like, it's just like, I can't, no one could believe he was saying it. It was so it was so funny. I'm I'm not doing it justice. Only Gilbert could get away so with that. It was so good. Exactly. Only he could do it, and he crushed it, and it was so fucking funny. Ah, oh, a lot of people. Some people did not understand he was joking. I looked around the room, and some people were like, "Hey, wait a second. I was like, obviously these are jokes. Yeah, he is kidding. Oh my god, this is genius. I I'm I'm, I'm sorry for. I feel sorry for you guys. Don't understand how fucking hilarious oh, man. this is. And you got to be there for this. Yes, oh. it was great. Oh man, that's the that feeling when the comedian just gets it, and you're just oh my god, it's a drug for the audience and for the comedian. Like when you finally go to the, like, it's hard to get to that point where you're just like you cannot stop laughing. Oh my god, yeah, I hurt. There were many multiple parts of my body that hurt after that oh. night. Cheeks, my sides. Oh god, god. it was. Well, I laughed a whole lot that night. That is incredible. I don't even know how to respond. That's so amazing that you got to be there for that and be a part of that. That's so great. Um, I found that. So you all, I know we'll start wrapping up because we're getting towards the end. Uh, you also wrote a book. I know I thought we should plug that for oh, you. Oh, thanks. Yes. I wrote a book uh, called Advice I'll Never Give My Future Son. I love that name. Uh, the idea is basically I'm, uh, I would never be good at telling, giving my son, my future son the talk. So, because I'm going to suck at it. It's a so pre-parenting book from someone without kids. <laughs> exactly. I love that. I love so, the concept. So it's like, I, yeah, here's just all the advice that I know for you that I can give you because I'm dead and I'm not embarrassed. So here it is. Because um, if I'm alive when he's he's around, I'm just going to fail him and just be like, uh, don't have sex, I guess. Maybe put a condom on. <laughs> um, but it, yeah. But so, yeah, the, I had the idea a couple years ago and just, you know, one of those things of like, yeah, I got to do other things besides stand-up. I think I'm a pretty good writer. Okay, so I just started writing this stuff down. It took about six months uh, and then had about five different versions of it after, you know, editing and yeah. you know, tightening it up and stuff like that. Um, so I tried very hard to get a um, liter- literary agent to, like, help me get published or what have you. But, of course, much like anything, like, oh, we don't know who you are, so we don't care. Or, or this is, you know, this is actually funny. It's well-written. It's just not our thing, though. Good luck. Like, okay, I, uh, what do I do? Um, so I decided to, what, what I did was, since it was just sitting there, and I was just, like, just burning through, you know, burning a hole in my hard drive, I figured I'd take out 
um, some of the jokes. I, I had pictures on it and, like, you know, little titles for the pictures and had, like, a lot of, um, um, what's it called, uh, sub, not subtitles, um, like, jokes in the, uh, ow, why am I blanking on the word? Like, in margins, jokes in the margins, kind of like how the, the, the Daily Show books or the Colbert books, you know, had little asterisks. I cannot think of, the of them. I know exactly what you're talking about. I can't think of the word. Yeah, they just have, like, oh, just follow the asterisk. There's another little punchline here, you know, in the, in the margins of the book. Uh, I just somehow when I was writing it just kept coming up with different tags for things I was writing. I was like, well, okay, I guess it's going to be that kind of book then. Um, so there's, I took out all of that stuff, all the pictures and all the margin jokes and just had just the, the straight text and then made that a blog oh. hoping to be like, so it's online right now. It's on Tumblr. It's called advice. I'll never give my future son. Um, and it's just like every Tuesday and Thursday, I, I just auto uploaded everything. Oh wow! So it's automatic at this point. So every every Tuesday, Thursday, a new little section pops up, uh, and it will be going until I think next May. There's enough content until next May. Um, so you love yeah. to work without being paid? Is that your thing? <laughs> yes, that is that is exactly the thing. I I, I mean love... to sound like your parents. <laughs> no, but it's true. Yeah. Oh my god, it's so true. Like you realize, like man, I'm working my ass yeah. off for no money for the love of the game. Ah, uh, at some point, like really, because I mean, you basically at this point, I feel like as many just arrows in the quiver as I can possibly get. I was like, oh, Adam, you're really talented at, you know, this one thing. Oh, thanks. Did I, did you also know that I can write a book? Yeah. I can produce a television show. I can do stand up. I can have a podcast. I have, how many different things do I need to do yeah. before someone goes like, oh, hey, this guy's talented in many different ways. Maybe I should hire him to do stuff. Yes, please. Because this is exhausting. Yeah, no, but that's like the whole like preparation meets opportunity. Like you're prepared, and opportunity is just around. You know, it, it will happen. It, it it just comes up. You don't know. And like God, it's so smart. I I was so impressed with you. Like, if I were like a comedian or out there marketing, to podcast the shit out of yourself. You don't have to travel. You could do it over Skype, and you don't know who hears what. You just you never fuck. And then this episode will live for as long as and. I'm not quitting the show anytime soon, so this will be up here for a long time, and like awesome. my audience slowly keeps growing. And after this airs, like a bunch of people you've never heard of will now know who you are. And I sure what hope are, so. And then you just keep doing that. I would love if something great came out of it. I'll be honest, probably not. But like we have a lot of New York listeners. Like I've had a UCB. I have a, a friend, someone I had on. He has a funny podcast called uh, Cultural Icons. And it's mm-hmm. like they made up these like fake NPR personas and they interview like historical figures and like fictional and people, but they're improvisers. They did an episode with like Ben and Jerry and they have like improvisers pretending to be Ben and Jerry. It's very funny. Like, it's, there's stuff out there. Uh, so I forget, man, I can't believe we're on a podcast. I didn't bring up your podcast earlier. Oh, that's okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, in fact, I do, I, we do a podcast uh, together. Me and Kevin Bartini yeah. uh, started working on a podcast a few years ago called the movie preview review. I love it. Where, I love it. It's amazing. Where obviously as the name implies that we review movies based off of just the previews. It started out as just kind of like a 10 minute thing yeah. where Kevin and I would write a bunch of jokes about one preview and then Kevin would record it. And that went, we did that for like a couple months and it was pretty funny. We got a bunch of downloads. Uh, and then it stopped because we got super busy with all these different projects. Yeah. But uh, a little while ago, Kevin started it up again earlier this year. And then he was like, you know, this is pretty good. You know, we, we've actually, you know, grown as comics and in our career, we've gotten more contacts now. We, you know, we're, we're a little bit more marketable. Let's see if we can try to get out, this there, out there a little bit more. 
And uh, so Kevin went on, he had like a couple of different, like a, like a, a radio deal or something like that, where he would record it with one radio station and then they would, you know, that would, it would go around yeah. to a bunch oh, of wow. different, like a network type of stuff. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. Uh, but it's like, you know, I think we could do more with this. And I go, I agree. We should, we should do like a live version of it where, uh, you know, I sit down with you and like I have a guest and maybe have a different couple comics and we just kind of, you know, shoot the shit. We watch a trailer and then we make jokes about it and talk to each other about yeah. stuff. So we did a couple of live shows at the Creek in the Cave here in Long Island City, and we're like, oh, shit, I think this is the format. This is great. So, yeah, Ke- Kevin and a couple other people you know, are talking about stuff. I'm the producer of the show, and so I'm in charge of the videos, kind of like MST3K. Oh, yeah. It's like, you're going to watch this trailer, fools. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we, we, we really liked it. So we got a couple of uh, – so it's, it, it's at this, at the way it stands now, it's me and Kevin – and then his wife, Jessica, who is amazing, who is like our voice of reason yeah. and the, the voice of women because, you know, she's doesn't like action films. And she likes ro- romance yeah. stuff and things that are pretty. And she's very funny in her, in her own right, but mostly because she cuts down Kevin because she knows him so well because they're married. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then our friend uh, Jay, and he, he's kind of a nerd like me. So we kind of have a, uh, you, know, you know, nerding out things about Star Wars and all sorts of stuff against Kevin's kind of jockish even though he's not a jock, but like he's kind of like the alpha male of you guys are nerds. Like, yeah, we're nerds, but we know more about stuff than you do. Ha ha ha. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then we have, a, you know, then we have like a guest comic or improviser, you know, other funny person come in and, and watch stuff with us. Uh, it's really funny. We taped about six, eh, six or so episodes off of it uh, at, at uh, the Creek in the Cave. Um, but right now we're kind of when the, the George Carlin thing started up, like it took all of Kevin's time doing oh, all, the, yeah. all the press and all the lead up and stuff to kind of culminate into the, uh, the ceremony. Uh, but right now we are looking for a studio. Uh, maybe it'll go on um, Sirius radio, maybe, which would be cool. Um, so right now we're trying to figure out what to do with it. If, if we at cause a lot of clubs here, uh, comedy clubs in the city have like recording studios for podcasts. Cause you know, yeah. everyone does a podcast now. Yeah. Um, that we'd like to utilize one of their setups because we know we have a decent, we have like five or six people yeah. who need microphones and a mixer and stuff like that. Um, we, we're trying to get into either a comedy club's uh, rotation to use their studio, or you know maybe a serious radio would would be cool. Uh, but if all the uh, fails in the next week or so, we're just going to go ahead buy a couple mics, plug it into my computer, and we're just going to do it our damn selves. Um, all of your work, you just do the work, and then then just wow. That's awesome. Basically, and yeah, that's how you have to do at it. At this point, yeah, I'm, I, I am all for just like, you know what? Fuck it. Just what, what do we need? Let's just buy it. Let's pull the money, buy it, and just do it. Because that's, that's the world we live in now. Literally working stop, for you. Should, yeah. Just stop waiting around for the machine to be like, oh, hey, yeah, you. You should come do the thing. No, yeah. just, no just I'm going to do it my damn self because why not? You got the uh, punk rock DIY ethic in you. Yeah, it took it took a little while for it to like to grow for the fire to grow in me to be like, yeah. no, I'll just do it myself. That's so great. Um, so where can people find you on the internets and all of your amazing things? I'll put a plug in the beginning and in the uh, as well too. But um, just uh, obviously, okay. So everyone, everything's linked on my uh, on my page, my web page. Just go to adamlashcomedy.com, um, and you can see my blog is there. Bunch of sketches. My stand-up is there. Uh, you can also go to gigahose.com to check out the new Sex Robot web series, which is really funny. Uh, that's spelled G-I-G-A-H-O-E-S.com. Or you can just Google that on, on YouTube 
or just Google and it'll pop right up. Um, episodes are coming out every Tuesday and there will be 12 of them. So we're probably going to have stuff going until about mid January. Um, that's really funny. Um, but yeah, blog is, everything else is linked on my, uh, on my website. Uh, and there's always new stuff coming out in the city. And so do you, you're always doing, you're always up doing something. Always doing something. And if anyone's in the, uh, New York metropolitan area and wants to come to see Bayside, the musical, uh, just Google that there are tickets available. There are discount tickets available. It is going at least through December that I know of right now. Um, it's going, it's Wednesdays through Saturdays at eight o'clock. Uh, it is delightfully funny. It's raunchy as all hell. Um, it's, it's a really, really good show. You will not be disappointed. Wh- where is that playing? It is playing at Theater 80, which is at the cor- – if anyone knows the city, it's the corner of St. Mark's Place and First Avenue on the Lower East Side. Okay. I, oddly enough, I had a friend who grew up around there in uh, Alphabet City, so I used to visit him down there all the time. Oh, I think, nice, yeah. I think Am I right? Is that the right area? Okay. Yes. Alphabet City is one block okay, over. Okay, yeah. And we, uh, I have friends and listeners who live in New York City. I'm, I would be blown away. If anyone is listening to this and they actually go to it, go tell Adam that you heard him on here and my head will fucking explode and be like, huh, weird. Yeah. <laughs> I do the warm-up of that show. The first thing they see when they're there is me. So, yeah. Uh, thank I'll you 100,000 times over for doing this. Come back anytime you want and we'll help hopefully continue to promote your amazing work and keep up the good work, man. And Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. Oh, of course. It. And I can't wait to see you on TV. I'm going to turn on the TV. I'm like, there's the guy. There's the guy. <laughs> awesome. I know that guy from somewhere, don't I? Right. Oh, yeah. So, uh, that guy. 